Hi, this is Joel Blackstock, and you're listening to the Taproot Therapy Collective Podcast. Today we're sitting down for an interview with Tim Rutili to discuss the psychology of music and the depth psychology behind the things that he creates. Tim is the founding member of the band Caliphone. He's also contributed to several other music projects, but he is also the writer and director of a film called All My Friends Are Funeral Singers, um, which is a really nice work. So without much further ado, I'm going to go ahead and roll that interview. I hope you enjoy. Well, I mean, I, there's something about the way that, the, the I guess the vibe is what they call it now, but the, the way that your music hits, that there's like a, it has almost kind of a mystical or a spiritual element to it. I mean, there's nothing that's like on its nose religious, but it's kind of this Appalachian, you know, it, it sound pieces of it sound like a folk revival. People's pieces of it sound like classic rock. Parts of it sound like you're skimming the AM radio while you're driving through the Appalachian mountains. Um, is that a vibe that you're going for? Or do you just kind of break stuff till you find that it, what works or, you know, how do you get there? It's just a constant search for stuff. Um, and you just try things and whatever feels right and sounds right, you go with. So it's just uh, a matter of um, playing around, writing songs. And it, a lot of it feels like collaging, you mm-hmm. know, um, adding elements that uh, not shouldn't necessarily go together and smashing them together. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's not I don't like thinking about it too much. So it's trying to get your brain empty and maybe trust your gut um, and let things flow that way and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me is because we work with a lot of artists and creatives and I did even before I was a therapist. And so part of this was kind of trying to find the through line in people that I think are um, just kind of like uh, visionary and like what they're able to make in different disciplines. And I mean, a lot of your music has a timelessness to it. You know, it's like you can't hear it and know where, when, where it came from. I that's mean, kind a, of a nice. Lot, I mean, a lot of, and, and so that's kind of what is interesting to me in, in architecture or other things is when someone has, you know, found something that's pretty primal or pretty archetypal, um, they're able to see through stuff. And it seems like a lot of uh, genius in different fields is just people being bored. You know, they've seen this, they've heard every guitar solo, they've seen all of that. And they've just, they're kind of noticing every single pattern that sells something and they want to break it. And then, and you kind of hear that in, in what you're doing. You know, there's not, it, there's a knowledge of what it is. Like a search for your own voice and a search for your own truth and a search for your own physical self, even um, that goes beyond uh, pop culture or uh, trends or whatever. A lot of it is just like, it still feels like making music and making art still feels like a search for self to, mm-hmm. to me. It does. Yeah. And, it, and it, that's why I, I think like, we're lucky that you did get to make the one movie you had mentioned somewhere that you had written others and um, that the one that got made um, only one has been made, but you know, watching that movie, it's like uh, all my friends are funeral singers. <laughs> it's like, this is from the same mind of this music. You know, this is just the, 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 mu- this is the movie that, that goes with, with, uh, with, with that with that uh, sound yeah it's not a perfect uh piece of work but it is uh it does 
I mean, it, the one of the intentions was to have to make a movie that looks and feels like the music sounds, mm-hmm. and I think we did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a gorgeous film. It's a lot of fun. Um, I it ended up helping me um, way back when. Um, I think I just graduated college, but <clears throat> I had some like long form story about all of these uh, all of these like. Uh, like different genres of ghosts, like ghosts from different genres of horror that were uh-huh. different different types of uh, you know mm-hmm. people's psychological need for ghosts, but they're the genres are all smushed together and they're in this house and so they don't quite get along. And then when your movie came out, I was like, well, I can't make that. That's exactly this is a better version of what I was trying to do. Yeah, and so I ended up splitting it up into these short stories and it but it it was better. I mean the the short stories were published separately and, and it made a better thing. But it came at an interesting time for me. It's a really fun film. Yeah. And I mean thinking about it it, it didn't didn't think about it at the time but thinking about it now it's like all those characters all those ghost characters were aspects of zell the main character Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. that was all her i mean those were all archetypes that she carried if you want to talk about it in in that yeah that you know yeah no that's what makes it beautiful and bits of her history and family you know uh, good and bad they kind of hold us back from our authentic journey yeah um, i mean you reference like a lot of kind of appellation folk remedy ritual you know w- or, or superstition a wish made burning onions will make or a wish made while burning onions will come true different different things like that in your music do you have an interest in, in kind of folklore and myth oh of course yeah um I, my family um when i was growing up there was a lot of gambling going on Mm-hmm. and a lot of superstitions so the way that whole funeral singers project started was i started interviewing you know i had a little video camera and i started you know asking people in my family and then friends and people that i knew and sometimes people that i would just run into about superstitions that they had you know sometimes some people that's like i have to touch the outside of the plane before i get on the plane yeah and all that i don't know why i guess it's a need for control in some way mm-hmm. but uh all that fascinated me and, and all the the like thinking about like uh being a little kid around that stuff and a little kid with an overactive imagination it was like that stuff I knew it wasn't real, but uh, the possibilities made my head spin. You know, mm-hmm. even the possibilities of like, uh, like growing up Catholic and and learning, you know, some of those images may, still mm-hmm. make my head spin. Just uh, it does not make sense, but the images are really, really strong and hit something. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't understand anything. Well, and I think when you are tapping into something that's kind of unconscious or archetypal and universal, it doesn't feel like it's yours almost. <laughs> You're like finding this thing within you that doesn't quite come from you or that, you know, we, we know is is not limited just to us. Um, it's kind of a collective experience that is, you know, authentic and, and personal, but also almost kind of dissociative or, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, and that might be um, one of the attractions to like looking into that stuff is to know that you're not alone in this strange stuff that bubbles up into mm-hmm. your consciousness. You know, you're not you're not alone. We're all just uh, part of the soup here. 
you had mentioned um, when I had emailed you that you had done some work with a Jungian analyst. Yeah, for years. I saw Do you mind for... sharing any of uh, what that process looked like for you or what, what was helpful? Um, you know, it started as like therapy to deal with, um, you know, like I've always been sort of a depressed person and dealt with uh, anxiety and depression. So a lot of it was to work through some of those things without um, medication. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we got going, she taught me about um, meditation. She, you know, it felt like part of it was therapy and it felt like part of it was going to school. She was always giving me stuff to read that was kind of great mm -hmm. that I never knew about. Um, but yeah, I did it for a long time and it really did help quite a bit and uh helped me break some patterns and it helped me like look at um myself and my dreams and everything in a very different way mm -hmm. yeah you can spot the jungian leaning therapist when you're getting the the reading list and the dvd list and the uh, the poetry you know yeah. homework assignments yeah there was some beautiful stuff that um i that i still look for stuff like that to read sometimes well, it's, uh, I think it's kind of a, a part of it. It's ha it's uh, an art to be able to understand what somebody needs to read, even if it's not the poem that speaks to you or something. There's sometimes where I'm like, I think this is kind of where your head is. Why don't you check this out in between this session and the next one? Yeah. I mean, even transpo even like transposing like an old story. I mean, I guess that's, uh, Joseph Campbell stuff too, but mm -hmm. like transposing these old, old stories onto your own uh, trip mm -hmm. is really, really interesting and, and can be a beautiful thing. You have a particular kind of myth or, or tradition, folklore, something that you relate to? <laughs> oh, God. A lot of therapists, I feel like, get stuck somewhere between Chiron and Cassandra. I don't know. There was like, there were these books. I've read them a couple times, and I might get the pronunciations wrong, but it's um, the books are he, she, and we. Do you know those books? Mm -mm. I think a guy named Robert Johnson, just like the the old blues man, Robert Johnson wrote them. The Union analyst, Robert Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it deals with Fisher King mm -hmm. myth, and I'm finding I'm like one of them deals with that a lot. And I'm finding I keep thinking about that now, just getting older is how you have to <laughs> make yourself, um, innocent again. I think, I think in the story, you have to make yourself an idiot to get into. The kingdom again you know as an older you have to deal with uh there's like a crone that tells you you're a piece of shit there's like mm -hmm. all these things that you have to get past to get back to the to get back to that kingdom and and a lot of it is like um letting go of cynicism um finding your finding your innocence like all that stuff in that fisher king myth kind of i guess it's hitting me now i think about yeah. it a lot yeah, it is part of the process of aging. It's just giving up our intellectualism and our ego and our, our need to be certain, to have certainty, you know, sometimes. Yeah. 
and even just like not worrying about how you look or accepting who you are um i don't know that that that's the one that keeps bubbling up these days is that fisher king myth well that's 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 really pretty that's beautiful um you had said that uh heron king the album was inspired by a dream that you had that you had looked into it and it was uh, a druid ritual i think i can't remember <laughs> that was i read that you know probably 10 years ago somewhere. um yeah that was a weird one uh i probably was doing many drugs back then too but um there was uh dreams that i was having that were happening a lot and there was it looked like a gigantic bird um just screaming for me to get the fuck out of there and i really didn't have anywhere to go and as i got closer i realized it was kind of a person Mm -hmm. you know, like a person in a costume or a person that was like a hybrid person and gigantic bird. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading a book. Um, it was Robert Graves book. It might've been, mm -hmm. uh, it was either I Claudius or Claudius, the God, one of those yeah. two books, which I love. And they talked about the uh, Romans trying to take uh, Britain and one of the ways that they started beating the druids was they they took this um mythological creature that they the druids had in the, in their uh in their mythological system and dressed up a guy put him on stilts and had him just scream in the morning frog like standing in this stream and the druids took that you know they took that as an omen and got the hell out of there and they were wow. spooked, you know and i was like that's kind of like the image in my dream and a lot of the music from that record came from, you know, those images and um, a lot of that feeling of uh, the claustrophobia of being in a, <laughs> in a forest, you mm -hmm. know, and, a be and being afraid and being and, and moving closer to that thing you're afraid of. And then you realize it's, it's, it might be human. It mm -hmm. might be you. You know, mm -hmm. you might be the one yelling to get the fuck yeah, out of the mask. Yeah, you might be the asshole of still yelling at people. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but yeah, that that whole making that record felt like a big fever dream. You, you, we, I'm pretty in, um, integrative and eclectic. You know, uh, I, I like I like Jung, but a lot of people who just have a severe dissociative disorder, they're not coming in for kind of years of dream analysis. They just want to do brain spotting and stop dissociating and, and oh, get yeah. back to life. But the the people who do kind of come in for, you know, a personal and creative rebirth to really rediscover the self, you get a dream at the beginning of that process, you know, almost before you know that that's what you want. A lot of the time that you're like outside of a labyrinth or a maze or the woods, you know, some kind of wood, wood whatever, and some type of uh, thing is screaming at you. To, to go or to come fight it or to, you know, and it's usually a hybrid, you know, a, a dwarf or a giant or a, a, a half man, man, half animal. I mean, it, you, it's just wild how many, much of the time that happens at the beginning of that process. Now, do you find that when you're, when you're dealing with, um, with people that come in with dreams like that, that you have to lead them or, or let them come to like everybody in your dream is you. Is, mm -hmm. It's an aspect of you that you have to deal with and that you have to look at, you know, that was something that 
I understood intellectually, mm -hmm. but didn't know in my bones until like after, you know, using all that weird, <laughs> all that weird stuff that was happening to like make a record out of it. Mm -hmm. so, well, and I think that's one of the things where people, um, especially younger people, like younger therapists have a hard time because they want the Jungian stuff to be all analytical, all intellectual. And it doesn't matter if it's here, you know, it's got to get down into the, the subbrain. It has to be experiential and somatic and in the body. And a lot of that is deep creativity and creating things. And, um, you know, and that's kind of, I think that's why you see a whole lot of Jungian analysts in the seventies leave the Institute and start these somatic models of, of or experiential models like process therapy and voice dialogue. And so many of them did that because they were getting frustrated that it was so intellectual and people were trying to publish these papers about myths instead of really pushing patients to experience the self and to, to go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, there's also in, in my experience, there was a spiritual aspect to it where it was, it, it did have a lot to do with um, learning how to quiet my brain and learning how to, you know, like learning how to meditate, learning how to be quiet, learning how to, um, like, uh, learning that creativity does not come from, uh, like chaotic experience. It comes from silence. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that bubble up when your mind is quiet, the things that come without thought, Mm -hmm. um, usually are the things that are worth the ideas that are worth pursuing and they're all mysterious in a way and they're scary when you're used to the just pace of the kind of obsessive cycle in life and and all of the uh the, the fast-paced protective parts that stop us from having to sit with with that kind of deep authentic self <laughs> yeah it's really scary well, um, you do a lot of mixed media art too. That's really pretty. Um, and again, you get the same juxtaposition in that that you get in your in your writing and in your music. Yeah, I really enjoy. I really enjoy that. That feels like no pressure. Fun is to make um, visual art, like it, paint and stuff like that. A lot of it looks like uh, this. The Dave McKean Sandman covers. Do you remember that Neil Gaiman wrote? Have you ever seen those? No, I haven't. Uh, Neil Gaiman's like an author that does a lot with myth and stuff, but he did the comic book series Sandman, kind of about storytelling and things. Uh, it was real big in the 80s and 90s. But the covers, Dave McKean would do these mixed media ones and uh, similar, like kind of similar similar vibe. Do, do you sell any of the, the pieces that, that you uh, make, the visual art? Yeah, the last batch that I made in the like lockdown times. Um, I think I sold almost all of that. I'd, I'd love to get some for our uh, office if you ever have another batch going on sale. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to like dig into doing it again. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'll let you know. Well, um, when uh, the kind of idea of music, where music comes from, uh, music being like an archetypal thing, I mean, do you ever, do you ever, uh, wonder about that and i was like looking at a study along there's all these kind of sometimes i'll find i never was much of an anthropologist but sometimes there would be these things that kind of jumped out that i thought were really cool and like one of them was a study when i was in college this guy was like being like well all the people these prehistoric people are going to these spots in the caves that are like really hard to get to and kind of dangerous 
they're not really they're going to the weirdest part of the cave where you wouldn't really want to go so what is it about it that makes them want to go there and they did this sonic testing and they realized that it was like the parts that would reverberate okay. to us that you're going there to you know you would yeah. get these crazy echoes and and spiritual you know experience um i always thought that was interesting you know this primal drive to to create wow. i never heard of that that makes sense though like there's something in the physical like like finding um finding rhythms that you personally can feel and finding like modal uh scales that you that it feels very at home to mm -hmm. sing you know things that feel like really 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 natural mm -hmm. like there's something there's something in that um and you know for some people it's going to be playing you know like like making loops on a computer mm -hmm. or, or other different kinds of like uh patterns like that but for me like finding what feels really 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 natural mm -hmm. um comes with like putting a guitar in a strange tuning um you know like like letting things drone like that mm -hmm. and finding like rhythms that feel like like uh you know like naturally walking Mm -hmm. you know but your oh. music is maybe more timeless because you're using a felt sense to just kind of create a bunch of texture and then find the ones that feel right instead of thinking and planning and intellectualizing the yeah i don't process. know timeless is hard to tell but it is like uh there is something in there where it's like okay that feels really really easy mm -hmm. <laughs> it feels really easy and it feels really natural to do that um and and sometimes like I'm working on um, writing and recording a record or a few records now. And it's like, um, I'll write something and work on something that's like challenging, get it so that it's right. And then after all that puzzle making, I'll let myself write something that is so easy and effortless that I would normally just throw it away, mm -hmm. you know, but almost like as a reward mm -hmm. <laughs> doing something difficult, I let myself do something that feels so natural and easy that it's like a no brainer, like literally a mm -hmm. no brainer. Like I didn't even think about this and I'm starting to like hum along this thing and then words are forming mm -hmm. and um, it just kind of naturally like falls out like a fucking turd and you're mm -hmm. like, I feel better, <laughs> feel better now. You know, and sometimes that's the best stuff. So I don't know, but you don't, I can't really get there unless I do something that's challenging first, mm -hmm. you know, like suffer through a puzzle and find something great and then do something that's effortless and have that be better than that, that something that you labored over for a month. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, a, yeah, I don't know, it's a weird process, but a lot of that stuff that feels really, really natural, like for me goes back to almost like West African music mm. and, you know, and um, like drone music and mountain music from, from the U S and, and it's, it's like all that stuff feels mm -hmm. really natural and it. I always felt at home there. Yeah. Um, and even sacred harp, that kind of, um, Oh yeah. There's, um, uh, I think I think Robert Polk Harrison mentions it in the Dominion of the Dead, but there's like a 
a study, there's various like theories about the beginning of language. And one of them is that they kind of, it, it begins from song because language is kind of before we're all the way evolved into humanity, it's already proto-language is probably there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of social species of animal, um, the time where they vocalize uh, is when there's death and that's, you know, there's a grieving ritual. And so like when an animal dies, then the mama lion yells at the heavens or, you know, yells at God or yells at the universe or something, even though there's no practical purpose, it's clear the babies died. Um, and, you know, um, a lot of uh, in our evolution. So it's like you have even that kind of singing of singing about death people grieving and and wailing and then slowly being like oh wait ideas can fit inside of these sounds we can make them mean different things you know language just being the song that we kind of forgot was a song it was always kind of an interesting yeah uh, i mean it's like a baby crying yeah it's yeah that's real well um do you um you you have anything uh else you think is like interesting or you, you want to share about your thought process as a writer visual artist or, or musician or, or lack thereof thought, lack of thought process <laughs> <laughs> yeah it all feels like uh like tumbling towards brainlessness um but i don't know i'm really happy that i'm still connected to uh to creativity and and i feel like uh just really i really appreciate being able to still have ideas and still have ideas that like frustrate and excite me hmm. and make me you know and the, and take over my whole being so that i need to do this you know i need to do like i feel really um lucky that i still need to do this creative work you still have the drive you know, yeah to find something and and to try to like just honor the impulse mm -hmm and and use it to um still keep searching for uh i guess myself mm -hmm. a lot of your lyrics are almost kind of hard to follow in the music you know they kind of show up and then disappear back into the texture of the sound um it seems like there's a lot about kind of grief and just accepting things you know um i remember it was like you know after 2020 and the world was wild and your stuff has a timeless element but then it also kind of addresses some cultural things and i was like i wonder what this album will sound like and like that first song is you know romans romans drink yourself sober algorithms kill kill the algorithm it's like wow <laughs> there there it is that's very well put um but i can't tell you i can't sit there and explain to someone like i was like telling my wife like doesn't this make a ton of sense and she was like no <laughs> you know but it made sense to me it makes all the sense in the world to to me um but i can't expect people to get it a lot of it's like um like there's if if i'm working on like uh, a script and a story i need to especially with the script I have to go, this is what happens. And then this is what happens. And then they say this and then they say, you know, and it's, you have to leave a lot of room for people to come in and then leave a lot of room for people to, you know, figure it out for themselves. And with music, it feels, I think with music, it's really hard for me to be, to like try to sell an idea. 
mm-hmm. um, because it does feel so personal. So there might be things that pop in that do feel cultural, but really it's like, I think that's maybe, you know, one of the reasons that a lot of people don't like what I do or can't even that hear nothing, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's part of it. And I'm okay with that, but it is like a lot of people would, you know, hear a Caliphone record and just go, this is just sound. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense. And I have to be like, I get, okay, you know, like it's mm-hmm. okay. Cause the purpose of it for me is to make this thing. And if it does hit some people in their heart and they can feel it and they can understand it, then that's who's supposed to be getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not trying to like communicate with a bunch of people. I'm trying to like figure out how to say a prayer, mm-hmm. you know, I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to like, I'm trying to figure out how to like uh, be alive and be okay mm-hmm. with being dead. You yeah. know, that's, that's what a lot of the process of creating music is. So I can't expect um, people to get it. And I'm, mm-hmm. that's another thing with the stuff I'm doing now is like, I have to be okay with that. But I think when you make art in a personal and authentic way and you've done your own work and your own healing, the insecurity goes away and you don't need to sell it. Your ability to sell it is gone because it's like you're either going to get this or you don't. This is what it is. Yeah. It's still frustrating because um, I would like more money. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's the way that's the way it is. But it feels like it would be like I just did a job and made music for a game you know mm-hmm. that you've done some like, soundtracks a couple of them other yeah, than the one for your film a whole bunch i've done a whole bunch of that kind of work and uh it feels like a relief to do that sometimes because it's not about me at all mm-hmm. you know you're clocking in and clocking out but using your technical ability yeah and also like like being as creative as possible but being also as impersonal as possible like this mm-hmm. This is what is going to serve the story or, ser- or serve the idea or, you know, you always do the best you can mm-hmm. and you always try to like, um, like feel it in your gut. But with my records, with cat, with Caliphone stuff, especially it's like, that's, that's for me, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the only area in my life where I have the final say and where I do have a bit of control over what the final product is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else I have to work. Like I have to make decisions with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when you're, when you're doing something that's a soundtrack, it's not about you, you know, it's easier to, to, to not, to not worry about it, you know, or to yeah, serve you're, you're serving a story. And you've done a couple uh, things with Isaac Brock of Modest Mouse, you Ugly Casanova, and then you did some studio work with him too. Um, I mean, that, that guy's got a lot of you know inner vision and, and drive too. What, what's what sure was does. that like, kind of coming together to to work with him? Um, I don't know. It's been a long time, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's all nerve, you know. And I don't know how he does it. I remember like. Um, when we were doing that ugly Casanova thing, like sort of like working on lyrics and getting ready to put some 
things down. And, uh, and Isaac, I don't even remember him like looking at a piece of paper. He just seemed to be singing. And it seemed to be like he was just making it up on the spot. And it was incredible. You know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But you were able to, so that you were kind of able to collaborate with him, or did it feel like more supporting the vision, feeling out what that was that he had? Um, well, on the Modest Mouse stuff that I worked on, which is not very much, I did a little bit on that um, Moon and Antarctica record. Mm -hmm. um, and Brian produced it, Brian Deck produced it, and it was at our studio, you know, so I was around quite a bit. But, um, yeah, that was like, do you have any ideas? Well, this is what I think. Well, let's try that. You know, it was like that. Mm -hmm. um, but the Ugly Casanova thing, we came in, we we were doing stuff together, like quite mm -hmm. a bit. But yeah, I couldn't really put my finger on what he was doing, but it was very, very effective. He's, mm -hmm. I think he's like, you know, he waffles between being a total maniac and a, sometimes seeming like a total idiot to mm. being a genius and doing something really brilliant or saying something amazing. Another thing when we were making that record is like, he's an incredible cook. Mm -hmm. Like every day we had really good food. He, he and Brian were cooking a lot and they were making great food all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember reading about him. Um, he, he'd said that he, he may uh, retire into culinary at some point. Yeah, and I mean, I guess uh, cooking could be not that different than uh, making records. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to find something new um, and, you know, trying to find things that, that, that go together, you know, in a certain way. Well, what are you working on now? Can you talk about it? Do you have anything coming out? Um, just right now, like working on... Uh, like a California record that might be a few different records hmm. and getting ready. There's a couple more things to record and a couple more things to write, but it's really close and it just needs to be mixed. So we're just trying to find time to, um, to go and uh, mix this thing to like camp out with, uh, with Brian deck and mix the record. Hmm. Well, uh, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, that's that's really exciting. Anything that you want to plug or, or promote now? I don't know. We're just getting ready to play some shows for the first time in a long time um, in L.A. and in Ojai and Phoenix and Portland and Seattle in August. Mm -hmm. So we're around there. I mean, I, I don't know how to, does this go on like Apple podcasts or I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it goes out on everything, everywhere you can get a podcast and, and YouTube too. Okay. I remember way back when, um, I don't know if it was, uh, I don't remember what it was for, but the, the y'all were doing a living room show series and we're in Birmingham, Alabama. So the, they were they, one of the things they were like, if you have a living room that works in Birmingham, we're doing these living room shows. And me and my wife had this teeny tiny, like monopoly house. That was like <laughs> one, one room, you know, the kit you could see from the kitchen into the bedroom. And I was like, Oh, we could open the back window and then the backyard and we can make some, find some way to make this work. And she was like, I, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think this is going to work. Um, 
but I, th yeah. I think we did some living room shows there. I think we played in Birmingham a couple of times. It wasn't on that one because it called Bottle Tree there. That was yeah, Bottle was Tree. Really this was after Bottle Tree was gone. Um, I and y'all played a Bottle Tree before I was back in Birmingham. I was always at Swanee um, when you guys were playing there. That was a neat venue. Yeah, I really like that place. But I thought we played a living room show or two in Birmingham some years ago. Well, we got a bigger house now with a bigger backyard. If you ever want to do another one, there's a waterfall and stuff you could play I'm next afraid. to. Yeah, the waterfall. I'm down with the waterfall. I don't know if I'm down for living rooms until like maybe there's less people getting COVID all the time. Yeah. Because you have to be sort of like crunched together. Mm -hmm. Like it's usually like people smushed together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if I want to. If I want yeah, to do for that. sure, it'd all be outdoors. We got we got room in the back if you if you ever uh, have need. But well, I I want to be respectful of your time. I know I had originally said fifteen minutes, so I don't want to I don't want to keep you from everything you're working on. Um, but it, you know anything else that uh, about storytelling or you know the scripts you've written that weren't made or uh, you know writing you feel like uh, you'd like to like to talk about. I don't know. I'm I'm working on like uh, like uh, it's turning into an animated series now, and I'm writing with a friend and working with an artist. That's great, and uh, I don't know. It's really really fun. It's really fun to do. Um, but so yeah, there's still scripts. Hopefully, something we'll get to make another film at some point, and hopefully, this we'll be able to get this thing made. But I don't know. In the meantime, I'm just, uh, I'm always doing something. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. I really appreciate your, your time and um, just kind of talking about the psychology of music and creativity there. It's always really interesting to see what, you know, is on the other side of the artwork when you know, it's something that, you know, I enjoy and, and have spent a lot of time with. Awesome. Well, thanks. It's great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, good luck with everything. I hope that, um, I hope that everything, uh, you know, that you want to make, you're, you're able to make in the way you want to make it. Thank you. I hope the same for you. Well, uh, take care. I'm going to, I'll turn the recorder off. Okay. <laughs>